0: This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. William R. Sharp Hospital, in a state-run facility for patients with mental illnesses. Some have raised concerns about the care provided at the hospital, and Secretary Bill Crouch came into our studio to respond. If
1: there were individuals from Sharp Hospital who... Um, did not treat individuals uh, appropriately or or fairly or any kind of abuse, Um, they're immediately put on suspension.
0: That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Democratic lawmakers in Washington are asking the Federal Mine Safety Agency why there aren't there still aren't stricter rules for silica dust in mines Justin Hicks from the Ohio Valley Resource reports exposure to the dust is linked to an epidemic of the incurable black lung disease
2: The senators from traditional coal mining states like West Virginia Virginia and Pennsylvania sent a public letter to the Mine Safety and Health Administration last week They said the agency promised to introduce a new regulation earlier this year that would lower the permissible exposure level for silica dust. Still, there has been no movement or updates. And people like Vonda Robinson of the National Black Lung Association want to know what's going on.
1: You know, we're waiting, waiting. It was supposed to be June, September, now we're still waiting. That's why we've got the senators and stuff involved. The agency
2: officially responded to the letter calling the rule a top priority. Officials haven't provided a specific timeline on the new regulation, but say they're working as quickly as possible. For the Ohio Valley Resource, I'm Justin Hicks.
0: The Ohio County Public Library is modernizing a historic speech from one of Wheeling's most notable African American leaders. As Shepard Snyder reports, it's part of a larger project to boost civic empathy in the region.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, In February of 1936, about one in every 20 persons living in Wheeling was of African descent. Today, in 2022, the population of Wheeling is 27,052. Of that number, 1,435 are black, or of African descent, which is 5.3%, or 1 in 20.
2: That was Ron Scott Jr. reciting a modernized version of a speech heard on Wheeling Airwaves in 1936, advocating for the town's 20th man. He's the Cultural, Diversity, and Community Outreach Director of the local Young Women's Christian Association branch. The Ohio County Public Library is using the speech to teach patrons about the meaning of being a good citizen, and why looking back at local history matters in the present day. The project began as part of a larger undertaking based out of the John Hines History Center in Pittsburgh, which has 150 affiliates across Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Ohio. Program manager Robert Stakely says it's a way to teach students across the tri-state area about their local history.
1: We engage them in such a way that it's educational, and in this case, um, making them better citizens, making them better stewards, Uh, of their community. And we do that through history.
2: The original speech broadcast on WWVA in Wheeling 86 years ago was made by Harry Jones, Wheeling's only African-American attorney at the time. Library Director of Programming and Local History, Sean Duffy, says it discussed how the local Black community had been affected by Jim Crow segregation to a mostly white audience.
3: He spoke very plainly about the fact that
1: There were no jobs for uh, black people through white-owned businesses. There were no opportunities.
2: Duffy says showing off the speech could help people empathize with the African-American experience during the 1930s by providing it through the exact words of someone living through that period.
3: I thought immediately this would fit
1: the paradigm so that when kids today look at what happened in 1936 and then reflect upon how things are now, uh, what's gotten better, what things are still the same.
2: Today, the percentage of African Americans living in Wheeling is roughly the same, 1 in 20. The rewritten speech by Ron Scott Jr. calls for local support of black businesses and the uplifting of black professionals, the amount of which have both declined in the area since 1936. Scott says he was expecting this version of the speech to just be a look back at the past, but that wasn't quite the case.
3: You found out by doing the speech, that um, a lot of things are just viewed differently or dressed in different clothing so that it looks like it's different.
2: Scott says the framing of these issues in a modern light helps people who take an interest in the project make a shift in viewpoint from sympathy to empathy.
3: What we're used to are folks saying, well, that was a shame that that happened. And now we're getting folks into saying, well, How is that still affecting things, or how can I do something to lessen the blow?
2: The original speech has been lost to history. Local engineers theorize it was recorded to an acetate disc, which could have been destroyed in one of the radio station moves over the years, or just wasn't saved. But Scott says the meaning of the speech lives on, even a century later.
3: He's making sure that he he gets this message message out, but in a way that, that... Is kind of welcoming at the same time. He's he's telling you, this is what it's like for us. Don't you want to know?
2: The full version of Scott's speech is available to listen to on wvpublic.org or on SoundCloud. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Shepard Snyder in Martinsburg.
0: This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Cloudy skies today with scattered light rain, highs in the 40s and 50s. Tonight, cloudy with low temperatures in the 30s. Tomorrow, partly cloudy with highs in the 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by Good News Mountaineer Garage, a nonprofit organization accepting donated vehicles to help a West Virginia family get to work. More at GoodNewsMountaineerGarage.com. On November 3rd, we published a news story based on a number of reports and a letter from Senate President Craig Blair to Governor Jim Justice that called for an independent investigation into the State Department of Health and Human Resources, and specifically care at Sharp Hospital. Following the report, Secretary Bill Crouch issued a letter calling the initial story into question. We invited him into the studio to discuss the story and concerns. News director Eric Douglas sat down with him last week.
4: We understand you had some concerns about our article outlining abuse suffered by people with disabilities at Sharp Hospital uh, and some of the the, the third party uh, facilities where people are cared for. Let's talk about that. What, what what were some of the issues you had with the the article itself?
1: Yeah, I was uh, very concerned about that. I, I thought the information was uh, misleading and uh, and and uh, and not really portrayed uh, properly or fairly in in any way. And if you look at the title of the article, it was. Uh, Reports show people with disabilities are abused in state care, and then the report goes uh, almost immediately into discussing um, incidents uh, from 2018, uh, 2020, and 2021. Uh, this is information that uh, that is online from surveys, uh, and and it is clear that uh, this was it seemed to be an attempt to mislead folks. This is all old information, and uh, that's not to say that incidents don't happen. There's documentation of these incidents. Uh, the issue would be if they weren't reported or they weren't investigated, uh, and that's not the case. We uh, report all incidents at Sharp. I,
4: I guess the the argument I would make, though, is the, the article said that those are reports, so there wasn't. Mm-hmm. it it wasn't implying that there were unreported incidents.
1: So I'm a UT football fan because I went to UT and to me I was I I thought about that and it's like reporting that UT uh, football team is doing terrible. They were uh, two and nine when in reality that's old information. They're nine and two this year so I mean it doesn't it talks as if this is a current issue that reports show people with disabilities are abused in state care and the uh, the reports are online and they're accurate. Individuals these incidents were reported. The uh, individuals, if there were uh, if if there were individuals from Sharp Hospital who um, did not treat individuals uh, appropriately or or fairly or any kind of abuse, um, they're immediately put on suspension. And in many of the instances, or at least uh, uh, one of the incidents I recall, your individuals
4: were, dis- were were fired from Sharp Hospitals on October fourteenth. Uh, Senator Blair sent uh, the governor a, a letter questioning a lot of that, and, and frankly, that was the basis for a lot of the report that that we shared was was off of the uh, president Senate president's uh, letter to the governor. Um, uh, he asked for an independent investigation into DHHR. Um, uh, were you aware of this letter when it came out, or,
1: or? not initially? It wasn't addressed to me, so I. Uh, but it did. It, it, uh, it, it did get sent to me. So, uh, and I, um, I uh, uh, asked Governor to respond, and I have responded. And I believe uh, everyone that was copied on that was responded. Again, misleading information. Totally misleading. I am fine with any kind of, uh, any kind of. Um, Investigation that uh, that anyone wants to do. I have told our folks, and everyone knows this: if we're wrong, we'll admit it. We own it; it's ours. We'll fix it and try to make sure it never happens again. We'll never cover every anything up ever. It's uh, it's very misleading to imply that we're we're trying to cover something up or, or hide something. I have no problem with an investigation. Who are the patients that are admitted to Sharp Hospital? Every civil commitment at Sharp Hospital uh, is a court-ordered commitment. And every individual who's admitted, there has to be a finding of um, harm, uh, potential harm to themselves or others, that they're a danger to themselves or others. Our forensic population are all court uh, ordered admissions. These are admissions where individuals have committed a crime, and the question is whether or not they're mentally capable of going through the court system. Uh, we have individuals in Sharp Hospital who will be there for the rest of their lives. We have individuals who'll be there for years. We have individuals who'll be there for for months. But it is a dangerous place to work. We have we have staff. Uh, Routinely, uh, who are sent to the hospital for by because of uh, injuries from uh, patients. So, I the staff who work there do a great job. Um, they're all, by the way, mandatory reporters. So, if there is an incident, some of these incidents that were reported, five people reported, called APS and reported them. But if somebody is, you find that
4: they have committed some level of abuse, they're I assume there's retraining or disciplinary action or, or potentially firing.
1: If there is evidence that they have abused a patient, they're fired. We, we, they're, we don't have any tolerance with regard to uh, patient abuse and uh, we have many instances of that. And, and we don't hesitate with that. It's, uh, it's important. And, but folks learn that. Uh, uh, if you've never been on a ward of a psychiatric hospital, it's a different world. It's a different environment. And uh, it is not a typical hospital. And these patients can be very dangerous. Uh, uh, Been there a couple of times and, and, and been told we need to we need to get behind a locked door abuse is something that we don't tolerate but again you have patients who are dangerous so we have staff who are who get worried and nervous and and scared and if something happens um, they have to protect themselves as best they can while still making sure that patient's safe
4: if somebody sees an incident you 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 mentioned the one incident where where five Mm -hmm. staff members reported directly Uh, to APS. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit more.
1: Um, Again, everyone's a mandatory reporter. If there is an incident um, of abuse or neglect of a patient, uh, everyone who works in SHARP, uh, especially all those on the floor, um, are responsible for reporting that. Uh, And they are reported. And, And by the way, anyone can report anonymously. There's been discussion of, you know, fear of retaliation. Uh, no one should fear retaliation for, for reporting an incident. And if I learn of uh, any kind of retaliation, then that's, uh, that's disciplinary action will be taken uh, on, uh, with that person because that's not acceptable. It's not allowed. It's, it's part of our policy.
0: That was DHHR Secretary Bill Crouch speaking with Eric Douglas. If you want to read a longer version of this interview, visit our website, wvpublic.org. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.com. Org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Amelia Nicely, Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Eric Douglas, Jessica Lilly, Liz McCormick. Randy Yoe and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.